As uh, Jamie said, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the, the leaders here at the Vine Church. Uh, this morning, we're carrying our series on Transform Mind. Uh, Paul spoke last week on week one on identity, and this week, I'm speaking on unwanted thoughts. Uh, before I start, um, some of you might have noticed I've got a little plaster on here. Has anyone noticed that? Well, not really. Anyway, maybe you have. Uh, you know, it's not a new fashion design, uh, trend or anything like that. Um, I hurt myself yesterday and I've got a tear of the thing. But anyway, just wanted to make you aware of that. Uh, because I didn't want any unwanted thoughts, that's why. D- distractions, distractions. I'm just going to get my board. But often, uh, we are prisoners, get too close to the mic, we are prisoners to our thoughts. We are prisoners to our own thoughts, those voices inside of us telling us to worry. Maybe it's voices saying that we are not good enough, or voices that saying we can never change. See, if you're anything like me, I like a good battle. I'm not talking about the Battle of Hastings or uh, a World War II or anything like that. Uh, I'm not even talking about being in the army uh, because I would be rubbish in the army because I'm an absolute wuss in many ways. Uh, But I'm talking about a paintball battle where the worst that can happen to you is you walk out with a few bruises. But I love a good battle where where you're in a battle, on a paintball battle, and you're working as a team. You've got a mission. You've got a task ahead of you, and you need to complete it. Whoever stands in our way, well, they will be annihilated or something like that, or at least paintballed anyway. Uh, And there's risk and there's bravery and there's intelligence. How many of us have ever been paintballing? Yeah, it's great fun. I absolutely love it. If you ever go again and want to invite people, I'm happy to come along. You know, I love it. I love it because it's, it's, it's so much fun. And at the same time, I know I'm going to walk out alive and it's, it's not really real. But I actually really like the battle. And often, there is a battle going on in our lives. But it's rooted in our minds. The battle happens when we get some bad news. Or the battle happens in the middle of the night when you're worrying about your day tomorrow. The battle happens when you don't feel good enough. Or the battle happens when you're worried about your children. It feels like our minds that we are in a prison. And we can see through the bars to the life that we want. A life of freedom. A life of peace. A life where our minds are filled with truth. Truly a wide open space. But there's something stopping us going through those bars. And I believe that through the healing power of Jesus Christ, and also some practical application, we can rewire our brains, our minds, to be the person and the people God has designed us to be. So this morning, we want to fill our minds with truth. We want to train our minds, and we want to win the battle of our minds. 
Did you know that the average person has a whopping 60 to 80,000 thoughts every day? 60 to 80,000 thoughts every day. I don't know how they calculate that, but apparently they do. 60 to 80,000 thoughts every day. Did you know that your brain is actually uh, using more energy, is actually more at work during the night than it is during the day? I wonder if I was to ask, I'm not asking, I am asking, but I'm not expecting to put your hands up. If I was to ask how many of us have had unwanted thoughts in the last 24 hours, whether that is thoughts of worry, whether that's thoughts of fear, whether that's thoughts of uh, lust, some unwanted thoughts, if you've had them, put your hands up. I reckon majority, or if not everyone in this room, would have had some unwanted thoughts. Because we've had 60 to 80,000 in the last 24 hours. Surely some of them, you know, or maybe I'm on my own on this one. Preach to yourself, Tim. But God doesn't want our minds to be filled with unwanted thoughts. But what he does want us to do, and this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down all imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing it captive, uh, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. As the NIV puts it, we demolish, I love that, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is how the message puts it. The world is unprincipled. It is a dog-eat-dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation. They are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt world. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God fit in every loose thought and emotion impulse in the structure of our life uh, structure of our life shaped by Christ our tools are ready by hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity you know Paul if you read the uh, King James version NIV or even a message it's talking about you know demolishing it's talking about casting down. And this is something Paul is urging us to do. We, when we become a Christian, we don't just get, you know, a, a, a filter in our minds and we have no more unwanted thoughts. This is something that is a battle that we've got to do. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, Solomon says, As a man thinks, so is he. This is how important that we train our minds because how you think is as you are. Who we are is shaped moment by moment by the thoughts we choose to let into our minds and hearts. But how can we control the thousands upon thousands of thoughts that enter into our minds each day? 
What do we do with these thoughts that are not pleasing to God? How can we in reality take every thought captive? Well, I want to start with this. What comes into our mind determines what comes into our lives. This is really important. What comes into your mind will determine what comes into your life. And I want to show you a little diagram. This is why I've got this piece of paper today. This little diagram. And the diagram goes something like this. We have five senses, right? So we have five senses. I'm just going to put the letter five there just for thing. But the main five senses. So what are the main five senses? You've got your touch, your feeling. You've got your taste. You've got your seeing. You've got your hearing. And you've got your smelling. Yes. And then, so out of these five senses, it goes straight into your, that's your brain, by the way. <laughs> Thankfully, I am not a brain surgeon. Thankfully. Uh, that's your brain. It goes into your brain, and what happens into your brain is that you start to think about it. And if you've ever noticed, uh, as time goes past, you overthink about a situation. And then you add stuff to it. It's just this situation that's going on. And then you start to believe it. And then what happens after you've believed it, you start to live it out and it affects other people. You with me on this? So, so, so for example, uh, there was a story of a person. This is a make-believe story. And this lady was at work and she worked at Lush actually. And uh, she was one of those people that made all those bath bombs. And, and she was going home from work one day. And uh, as she was going home, she heard some people in the corner saying she didn't make her quota this today. She didn't make enough soap today. She, she goes home and she starts to think about this. She goes, I didn't make enough soap today. I didn't produce enough. I'm so rubbish at my job. Actually, no one likes me. Actually, no, I'm not just rubbish at my job, by the way. I'm rubbish at life. Everything I put my hands to, I don't do that well. Who are my friends, even the fact? Who are even my friends? The next day, this person wakes up, and she feels unloved. She feels rubbish about everything, even before she's gone back to work. She doesn't want to even talk to anyone, because she feels like no one's her friends, and no one would even listen to her. She isolates herself. She doesn't want to try new things. And this was all because she overheard a group of people talking, saying she didn't make enough soap that day. As I said, this is a make-up story. But often, that happens in our lives, I think. We hear something, and it might even be nothing to do with us. And it might even be that we didn't make enough. But then time goes on and we, we start to overthink it. And then we add things to it. We say, actually, no one likes me or I'm no good at my job. And then we wake up the next day or even hours later and it affects how we deal with people. Because the way we deal with people, we, we, we deal with people as an unloved person or no one wants to hear what I've got to say because they're not even my friends anyway. This is how important it is that we fill our minds with truth, we train our minds, and we win the battle of our minds. 
because otherwise it would affect our whole lives. It would affect our relationships. It would affect our friends and family or how we do life just because we overheard a conversation someone said, you didn't make enough soap today or that lady didn't make enough soap. What comes into our minds determines what comes out in our lives. I don't know if you heard the story last week. It was a week ago today. It was the London Marathon. And the London Marathon, for the first time ever, they, they asked for pacemakers. So people that will run the marathon at certain paces, so if you want to do. But also they were encouraging people who weren't very um, good at marathons, shall we say, to go, to, uh, go for the marathon. So there was this one lady, she was employed by the Virgin, uh, Virgin Marathon to go and do a seven and a half marathon. So it was her job to run at seven and a half hours. And she started the race and to do a good pace, she ran at seven and a half hours. She got to the first fuel station, the water station, and it was all closed down. So she said to them, well, I'm running at seven and a half hours, so there'll be people behind me. And she rang up Virgin on the marathon and said to them, oh, it's... Um, it's closed down. They told her that she was lying. And she goes on, and this rubbish people have gone past her, clearing all the rubbish, clearing up where there's been maybe people going to the toilet or people being sick. And she got chemical burns from the people clearing up the rubbish. And in fact, there was, there was um, stewards and people that are working for the marathon that said these words. They called her that she was so fat, that's why she's slow. She was employed to do the marathon at a seven and a half hour pace. It's sad to say, but our world, it is horrible sometimes. Some people are just horrible. They didn't even understand the context of why she was running at seven and a half hours. And even if she was slow, who cares? Like who has done a marathon in this room? I don't know. But we live in a place where sometimes there's lots of influence on our minds. Could you imagine that lady when she went home, what she was thinking? She probably was angry. But at the same time, she was thinking, maybe I am slow. Maybe I'm not good enough for this. The Bible says that we should not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of the mind. What comes into our mind determines what comes out in our lives. See, we need to make sure that the right things are going into our minds so we can train our minds, so we can win the battle of our minds. And this is what we need to do today and every day of our lives. We need to take captive every single thought. This is what Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians. Take captive of your thoughts. If there is any thought in your mind that is inconsistent with God's word, we should take that thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. We shouldn't be dominated or controlled by unwanted, unwanted thoughts, but we should be controlled by the Spirit of God. Let, let me pull it like this. Let me pull it like this. Often, we have a load of worries. We have a load of worries. And then we have a God. Can everyone see that? We have a, a, a load of worries. And then we have a God. And what we do 
is that we're worrying about lots of things. We're worrying about things that are going on in life. How is this going to go with my children? Or, or this situation? How is this job work? Gonna, how am I going to pay the bills? How, my house? You know, there's constant lots of bombarded of worries. And in a moment of faith, what you do is you take your worries and you place it to God. You say, God, I trust you in this situation. And what happens is that in a moment of faith, we wait and we wait and we say, God, I'm taking it back. It's been too long. I've given you 24 hours. You've done nothing with that situation. It hasn't changed. I'm still worrying. I'm taking those worries back. They're my worries. I'm taking control of those worries. I'm not giving you, I'm not trusting you. Might sound stupid, you might not verbalize this, but this is what often we do. This is what we do. See, see, I think it might be even a good practice for some of us is to get a God box, get a, like a box where you can literally write down your worries and put them in a box. And then in the middle of the night, if you want to worry about it, you have to take it out of the God box and say to God, I'm taking back that worry. You might find it stupid, but it's a powerful tool. You can take your worry back if you want to. You have to take it back off God, though. So literally to do. So it might work for some of us. But what we do is this. We, we take back that worry because we want, we, our worries are bigger than our God. That's what it is. Our worries are bigger than our God. But it's really what we need to do is make our God bigger than our worries. We need to have an understanding of our truth of God, how powerful he is and how great he is. And actually he holds our, life, our whole lives in his hands. See, the Bible says, pass on your cares onto him for he cares. I'm saying that I'm going to trust God with that person. I'm going to trust God with that situation. I'm going to trust God with my future, my health, with every part of my life. And this is the thing. We don't just take our worries and put them into God. What we do is that we take our whole lives and put them into God. Because we are hidden in Jesus Christ. So every worry, every unwanted thought actually should be hidden into God. And our God is so big that they're actually nothing for him. And, you know, for some reason, if you want to take your worries back, well, you're going to have to take them off God for yourself and say, God, I'm taking them off you because I'm going to carry on worrying. But the thing is, sometimes it feels too easy, it feels easier, sorry, to worry if you've ever been there, it feels easier, and in fact, it could feel good to worry, to lust, to stress, to feel rubbish about yourself. See, if we are constantly entertaining unwanted thoughts, the road leads to one way. The road leads to disappointment. It leads to apathy. It leads to living without purpose. It feeling downcast, without any motivation. That is what the road leads to. If you want to... Um, carry on worrying because that's the easiest option, well, there's going to be an end to that road and it'll be disappointment. It'll be apathetic. It'll feel like you haven't got any motivation for life. It will see life as pointless. 
Have you ever heard of the term reframing? Have you ever heard the term reframing? Well, what is reframing? Reframing is creating a different way of looking at a, a, a situation, a person or relationship by changing its meaning. A different way at looking at, at, at something changing, at looking at a situation. If you're a nerd, the term for reframing is cognitive restructuring. If you're simple like me, it's reframing or even changing perspective. Let's put it like this. If I was to ask you what kind of day you're having, what kind of day are you having? If we could just change slide for a moment. Say this is your day, right? What kind of day? If you're looking at your day through this frame, you might say, well, it's a bit of a grey day. It's a bit of a bad day. Oh, I've had a rubbish day at work. But if you're looking at your day through the frame of this, well, I'm trusting God's promises. I'm trusting God's goodness. Yet, yet you're not taking away the facts of the day, but what you do, you get, you're reframing your perspective on the day. You're choosing your perspective. And sometimes with our minds, we need to reframe of how we look at something. A situation. I want to talk about, you know, some maybe a Bible character. Uh, one person who was absolutely amazing at reframing the Bible was Paul. It was Paul. One of Paul's greatest desires and in his prayer life was to go to Rome. If you read the letters, often he would say, I want to go to Rome, I want to go to Rome. It was because he saw Rome as a significant uh, city to evangelize the whole of uh, minor Asia and all the way which would affect the whole world. So he said, I need to get to Rome and preach the gospel so that lots of people become Christians. Uh, he would have been locked up. Um, sorry. And in, uh, he gets, this is, this is his top desire. And this is the thing. He gets to Rome. But he gets to Rome not as a preacher, but as a prisoner. And this is what he says in Philippians 1.12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. What Paul is doing here, he's reframing. See, his, his goal, his vision, his heart was to go to Rome for the sake of the gospel. He thought he was going to get on a boat, travel across the Mediterranean, you know, and get and preach the gospel from the city centers. But what happened to him is actually God sent him through in the middle of a prison. And if you didn't know, he would have been locked up to a guard for 24 hours a day. In those days, they did eight-hour shifts, eight, 16, 24 hours. Every day, he spoke to three guards. And the guards that were um, chained to him, they were often uh, important people in the guard. They got... They had uh, significant roles in the palace. And through that, it says in Philippians that it was clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains because of Christ. Did Paul get to preach the gospel in Rome? Yes, but it wasn't as he managed. And he says this, he says this. It goes that what has happened to me has actually served the gospel. He is delighted. 
he's refrained. He hasn't looked at his situation and said, man, I'm in prison. God, this is not what was meant to happen. I was meant to go to Rome, into the city center, get on a platform and preach about Jesus. No, he's saying, actually, I've got an opportunity here. What he's doing, he's reframing his whole life. You know, back to that picture, he's going, he's reframing, actually, am I having a bad day or am I having a day where I'm trusting God's promises? Or is it where the sun is shining? Oh, thank you, God, for all these good things. So I think for some of us in our minds, we need to change perspectives. We need to do a bit of reframing or cognitive restructuring, if you want a nerdy term, or in our lives so that actually we're looking at what God is doing in our lives. You're not taken away from the truth and the facts of the day. You're not, because you've got to be real. But what you're saying is, I'm choosing to trust God. I'm choosing to look at the good and not at the worries of my life. Paul goes on in Philippians after he talks about that, and he, goes, he says this in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Man, this is a challenge. What are you putting in your mind? Back to these five senses, so important. Paul Paul is challenging us. It's a challenge to make sure that we are hearing the right things, the godly things, seeing with our eyes. Tasting, however you taste the right things, I don't know. But it's so important, and it's such a challenge. And I would ask you the question, what are you putting in your mind? Because we want to fill our minds, train our minds, and win the battle of our minds. See, for many of us here, we know that the battle isn't against flesh and blood, but it's actually against the principalities. The battle is against Satan, who is the father of lies. He is the one that tells you you're not good enough. He is the one that says you need to worry about this situation. He's the one that will tell you this is a bad situation. It's going to end even worse than you imagine it. He is the one that says you've got to stay up at night in the middle of the night and worry, worry, worry. He's the one that says you've got to look at that thing on the TV screen because it will make you feel better. He is the one that does it. It is Satan. And he is the father of lies. And Ephesians chapter 6 is about the armor of God. And what is, the, what is the sword? It is the spirit, which is the word of God. It is the Bible. It's filling your minds with truth. Did you know? I've got a lot of props today, haven't I? Props out this thing. Did you know that in the Bible, there is over 90 statements about who you are in Christ? And I've printed them out for every single person. It's up to you if you want to take one and read it. But this will go through 90 statements of who you are in Christ. I am the salt of the earth. I am clean. I'm Christ's friend. I'm chosen. I'm adopted. 90 statements. Over 90 statements of who you are in Christ. This is filling your mind with truth. This is what we should be filling our minds Paul called us to cast down every imagination. Paul is calling us to not just 
give our worries to God, but that we are found in God. Paul is saying, anything that is against the knowledge of God, put it away. Throw it away. And actually, fill your minds with truth of the word of God, the sword of God from Ephesians 6. Take captive those thoughts. Throw them out. Reframe your life. Watch what you watch. Watch who you hang around with. If, if, you know, if you're constantly hanging around with people that swear all the time, soon enough, you're going to swear. It's just a matter of fact. We become like people who we hang around. If I was to go to America, I'd start speaking like an American. I won't do an accent. But it works. If you've ever done it, you've gone away for a bit of time. You come home and you start speaking like that person. You use words like that person. It's so important to be hanging around with the right people. Fill our minds with the truth. I want to end by giving us an encouragement. Because I think that God can heal us in a moment. But often, like I've said, this is a battle. In the moment, there's a battle that goes on. And it's about filling our minds with truth. But I want to end with this encouragement. And it's from the words of Jesus himself. And Jesus says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think Jesus, I think God, he understands that there is a battle in our lives. There's a battle in our minds. And he says these words, that if you come to me, I will give you rest. I'm gentle, humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I, I find this verse so encouraging to my life. Because he doesn't say that there won't be a yoke. He doesn't say there isn't a burden. Because there is yokes and burdens in this world. There is things, but he says they will be easy and light. And I just thank you, God, that in my life, in our lives, that actually he takes away those heavy yokes. He takes away those strong burdens. And he gives us a thing of freedom and peace and trust and hope. The message translation puts it like this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Work, walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn from the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitted on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live a freely and lightly. We want to fill our minds with the truth. Fill our minds, as Paul says in Philippians, with things that are honorable, things that are lovely, things that are right, things that are pure, things that are true. And then we want to train our minds. Maybe it's train our minds to reframe something. Maybe it's train our minds to look at a situation differently. Train our minds, actually, when I think of this situation, I'm going to train my mind to think of a Bible verse instead. And then we've got to win the battle of our minds. Because it is a battle. But it's a battle which God is with us. He's given us the swords, the word of God, the truth. 
who we are in Christ. Can I say that if you do this stuff, it gets better, it gets easier. And that's not because, you know, because I'm saying it, it's because it's the truth. It's what God says. It's what our Bible teaches us. I don't know about you, but I've noticed that lately, you know, everywhere you go, people are looking of how to relax more, how to calm more. I was, I was watching TV the other day, and there's an advert about being calm. They give you 30 seconds where there's like a waterfall, and it says be calm for 30 seconds. People, everyone in the UK today, mostly everyone, are looking for ways to de-stress, is to feel more relaxed. Because everyone feels pressured. Everyone feels stressed about something and worried about something. But the thing is, a lot of people are looking for uh, certain types of medita- uh, meditation, meditation, meditation. But actually, what's happened is that we should meditate on the Bible, not on other things. But the root of God's created this perfect place to relax, to be at peace. That's meditating on the Word of God, being in the presence of God. But what they're doing in society is that they're using other things to meditate. Because they've got the meditation bit, but they don't understand about actually should be in God. And actually, we've got some good news to share with people. Or actually, you know, you're worrying about something. Well, my God says this. Why don't you think about this scripture? It's a bold thing to do with someone who maybe doesn't know Jesus. But actually, you're trying that meditation. Or you've got this app that is like, helps you to sleep at night. What about, you know, maybe reading the Bible? You know, putting out there, maybe we could try to do these things. Because I think the world is looking to de-stress their life. They're looking for more peace, more rest. And actually, we've got the truth. We've got the best way to do it. And it's through the God. So I just want to encourage you. Fill your minds with truth. Train your minds because it is a battle. And battle it in the name of Jesus. And make sure that you are hidden in God. Don't let your worries become too big and your God become small. But let your God be big and your worries be small and hidden in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Let us pray for you. We're going to sing a song. Father God, I just thank you that you understand that we do have unwanted thoughts. I thank you that you know about that, Lord God. And I just pray that uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit that you'll help each person here to overcome those whether it's worry, whether it's lust, whether it's uh, other unwanted thoughts, Lord God. Father, I pray you help us in this battle and help each one of us to have, in many ways, techniques to overcome the battle, what's right for us. And I pray, Father God, for each one of us that we would frame our lives, that we would look up a godly perspective, that each day as we wake up, that we will frame it to remember your promises, your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.